so I'm, first of all, Kyle said that my name is Taryn. I don't know if I've, hopefully I've had the chance to meet most of you. Um, I'm super excited today. Um, very nervous. Um, but above all, I'm really honored to be here because it's just, I'm only a three years in Mother's Day kind of girl. Um, don't have a whole lot of wisdom to offer, I don't feel like sometimes, but um, for a while, God's just been dealing with me about being a daughter of His, and um, so I'm excited to share that with you today, and just being a mom, it's kind of cool to share that perspective too. Um, if you were here last week, Caleb back there told you that I would probably cry um, a lot, he said, <laughs> um, and that's probably true. I'm a crier. So um, I'm going to do my best not to cry at all. Um, so hopefully if you see me start crying, just start laughing or something and maybe I'll laugh. I don't know. <laughs> um, no, but we're here to honor mothers today and I'm so excited to do that. But um, I don't want to leave the guys out in the room or off the hook or I don't want to leave the non-mothers out. So um, I just feel like God's Word has so much truth in it that we can learn from stories in the Bible. And so today I'm going to pull out one that deals with a mom and deals with um, a daughter, but I just I feel like we can all get something out of it. So I hope that um, I, the guys don't feel left out um, today. We all, I think we can all agree that we come from different backgrounds, we have different moms. Um, some of your moms you might be thinking of this morning is like, just like Martha Stewart, you know, just crafty and can cook everything. And some of your moms might burn something if she uses the microwave. I don't know. Like, we all just kind of have a different type of mom. And so some of you, I also know that this might be a rough day. Maybe this is your first year without your mom, or maybe your mom has gone on before. Um, and so today's kind of a mixed bag of emotions because I know that, you know, just thinking about your mom, it's, it's hopefully good memories. But if you're not able to share that with her, I know that that can be tough. So hopefully if you're that person and you're in the room today, I pray that you'll um, still hear from God and that you'll be blessed this morning. Um, yeah, so I grew up with a mom that she's kind of like the Martha Stewart type I would kind of classify, not the convict, but the, <laughs> the uh, crafty part. My mom, you can ask Kyle, oh, that was a nice loud laugh. I'm not, I'm not going to cry. Um, you can ask Kyle, when we first started dating, it almost made him nervous because every two minutes, my mom's like, Kyle, you need something to drink? You want something? Like, and he was just eating the whole time at the house because my mom just kept putting stuff on the table and like she's making a wreath over here and like, I don't know, she's just that kind of mom. And so, um, but whatever, I feel like whatever your mom looks like, um, if I can get all the moms to nod your head, it's hard, right? It's, it's a, it's a really tough job. And um, I remember when Beckett was first born, um, Kyle and I kind of read all these books. And um, one of the things that somebody told us about was this album, like, I don't know, music thing that it's called Rockabye Baby. And so we bought the Coldplay version of it. And we we're just like, oh, we're going to, this is going to be so cool. It's like lullabies to Coldplay. And, um, but it doesn't have the lyrics at all. And so I would turn that C 
CD on repeat when I would put Beckett in his crib. And um, without fail, no lie, every time I went into that room, the song, nobody said it was easy, it was playing. And it's like 3 o'clock in the morning, and I'm like, you are not joking. So that, I feel like that was, you know, I think it's just a hard thing. Um, and today we're going to look at a story in the Bible, um, actually a whole entire book. So don't get nervous, because um, we're not going to read the whole thing. But I'm going to skim through chapter 1 really quick. It's in Ruth. If you have your Bibles, you're welcome to follow along. Um, but I, the scriptures that we're going to use are going to be on the screen in just a second. Um, this story is super cool to me because it just talks a lot about God's redemption and um, teaches us kind of how to serve. And I think moms are the ultimate servants. Um, so we honor you for that today. Um, I think I need to pray. So let me start. Let me, let's do that. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this day and for this opportunity. Lord, I just pray that each person sitting here, what, whatever type of mom they represent, or if they're never going to be a mom, God, I just pray that you'll allow their hearts to be open to what you have to share for us today. God, I pray that you'll just um, show us something that we haven't seen before. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so there's this family in the Bible. Um, the dad, it's a family of four. The dad is called Elimelech, that's his name. The mom is Naomi. And then there's, they have two sons, Malon and Kilion. And I don't know if I've totally murdered their names, but that's the four. It's a family of four. And they live in Bethlehem. And the time that they're living there, there's a famine in the land. There's no food. And so the dad kind of makes this decision like, hey, um, we got to move. Has anybody ever been part of a family move because the dad needs to get another job? Well, this is kind of what happens. So he picks up his wife and two kids, and they travel to another country called Moab. Um, and so they, they go there to be able to, so he can provide for the family. And he, um, shortly after they get there, he passes away. So now, and they don't really, the Bible doesn't really talk a whole lot about him after that, but um, so now we have Ruth and her two boys, Malon and Kilion. And so they're there, they're working, they're still in Moab to the country where they moved. Um, they're in this foreign land. And um, the two sons fall in love and they get married to two Moabite women. Um, and so their names are Ruth and Orpah. So now we have Naomi. Kilion, Malon, Ruth, and Orpah. Um, that's a mouthful. And so they're there, and after they lived there for about 10 years, the sons passed away. So now, here's Ruth, the mama, and she, no, Naomi, the mom, and she's got these two daughter-in-laws named Ruth and Orpah. And she starts to hear that kind of the famine is slowing down. So, and she just wants to move home. She's lost her husband, and she's lost both of her kids. And she turns to her daughter-in-laws, and she's like, you guys know what? I'm going I'm to go home. I, I need to be with my family. And so the girls kind of start out with her on the road back to Bethlehem. And um, they say, she turns to them and says, listen, I don't really have anything to offer you, like, I'm an old lady, I'm not married, and I don't have any sons. Like, I want you guys to have a fulfilled life, um, be able to have kids one day, and I don't, I don't have that to offer you, so feel free to stay here and not go back home with me. 
And they both immediately were like, no, no, we want to stay. We want to stay with you. And she says, listen, even if I get married again and, and I happen to have babies and they happen to be boys, you're not going to wait for them to grow up and marry them again. You know, it's okay. You're not going to hurt my feelings. So Orpah, she kind of takes the bait and she's like, all right, I'm out. And she, she goes back home and Ruth says to her, um, no, where you go, I don't know if you guys have heard that song or that verse. She says, where you go, I'm going to go. Where you stay, I'm going to stay. And where you die, that's where I'm going to die, and that's where I'm going to be buried. And she says, so help me God, pretty much. Do not make me leave you. I'm just, God has told me to stay with you. So she says, okay. So they head on to the road. Um, and we're going to pick up, if you can put on the screen, verse 19. I'm going to read verses 19 and 20. And we're almost done with chapter 1. So the two women went on until they came to Bethlehem. When they arrived in Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the women exclaimed, Can this be Naomi? Don't call me Naomi, she told them. Call me Mara, because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. Back in that time, names were very important. And so... um, Naomi's name meant, or the meaning of the names, Naomi's name meant beautiful and pleasant. And so immediately, this is her hometown, she's coming back, and all the women of the city are like, oh my gosh, it's, it's beautiful Naomi, it's pleasant Naomi. And she looks at them and says, don't call me beautiful, don't call me pleasant, call me Mara, which means bitter, because the Lord has basically given me nothing to be pleasant or beautiful about. And so the first thing that God kind of shared with me when I was studying, oh, here come the tears, but I'm not going to do it. Um, The first thing that God really showed me was don't place a name on yourself that God did not give you or that God does not call you. I think as moms, we put all this pressure on ourselves like, oh, I, I have to have the perfect kid. I have to have this. I have to have that. And so we name ourselves when we mess up, or another perfect mom names us because we mess up. And God says, no, I didn't name you that. And so the the most freeing thing to me was when God said, find who you are in what I say that you are, not what everyone else says that you are. And so basically just finding our identity in Christ is so important. And I think that that's so easy to say, like, oh, yeah, God says I'm beautiful or God says I'm pleasant, but we don't walk around beautiful. We don't walk around pleasant. And I don't mean like, you know, oh, I'm so beautiful. Like, sorry, I can't help it. I don't mean that, but I'm just saying walking in what God has called you to be, you know, not, not bitter, not just because of the circumstances that, God, that, we, that we have in our lives. Um, and I have a really short video clip to sh- kind of show um, this whole thing in a nutshell, if you can pay attention to the screen. Especially 
I just love that because I think that we all do that in some sort of way um, throughout our day. Um, So basically, I told you earlier that this story is all about redemption and God kind of saving us from kind of ourselves. And um, so I I think the first thing just for us to take away is that God redeems our identity. And so we have to look at him or we have to walk through life the way that he looks at us. Um, and assume that identity, because otherwise we are going to be crushed. Um, And we're going to, I told you we're doing a whole book. That's already one chapter. Um, Before I, I'm going to start reading in chapter two, um, but before I do, I want to explain something really quick. Back in that time, there was kind of a thing, which I think would be kind of weird right now. Um, I don't think I would like it, but it's, it's a kinsman redeemer, Basically, if there's someone, for instance, Naomi, she had a husband and two sons. Well, her husband, thank you, her husband passed away, and so the sons would have taken on the family name, and that's fine, but then both of her sons passed away, so there was really nobody to take on the name, and so there was this thing called Kinsman Redeemer, um, where someone else down the family line Um, So I don't know if that really means, like, marrying your cousin or something, but basically they can marry you and have your property so that um, your family name is saved. And so here in this chapter, 
Um, they're going to slightly mention kinsman redeemer, and that's what that is. Um, eventually, we're going to point that to Christ, but there's a kinsman redeemer for Ruth in this story um, for, her, for that family name to be saved. So um, we're going to read verses 1 through 7 in chapter 2. Now Naomi had a relative on her husband's side, a man of standing from the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. So Boaz is the name that we're going to hear again. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone in whose eyes I find favor. Naomi said, go ahead, my daughter. So she went out, entered a field, and began to glean behind the harvesters. As it turned out, she was working in a field belonging to Boaz, who was from the clan of Elimelech. Just then, Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters. The Lord be with you. And I'm going to stop there for just a second because um, there's six words in there that really jump out at me. Um, Boaz is the boss, basically, of this big field. And so how many know that when you go to a company, the boss might not always be there? Um, so it says she went out to this field. Basically, she woke up one morning and was like, okay, there's nobody to work for us. My, it's just me and my mother-in-law. We've got to eat. So she says to her mother-in-law, I, I'm going to go. I'm going to find a place to work, even if it's just picking up the grain left over that the people drop on the ground. I'm just going to pick up the leftovers. And she says, okay. And Naomi knows in her head that Boaz has a field um, and that he's the kinsman redeemer, but she doesn't say that to her yet. And so as it, these are the, four, the first four words, as it turned out, she was in Boaz's field working. And I just don't think that's a coincidence with God. A lot of times we um, were like, man, I just happened to run into this person and got to talking and I just got the greatest job today. Or, you know, if we're following in the steps that God has played us in, as it turned out, is not just a coincidence. It, it, I don't think it was a mistake that as it turned out, she was in Boaz's field, um, kind of set up to meet him. And then it says, just then Boaz arrived. I also don't think it was a coincidence that Boaz was gone and then as soon as the day she chose to come to work, that he showed up. Just then, he just shows up. I don't believe that that was a coincidence. So just, that's extra. Um, but I just thought that was really cool for us to not look at stuff as just, oh, this happened or this happened. But really to see the purpose in every day that we go out. Because um, I just, I don't know, I just don't think it's a coincidence. So we're going to pick up in the end of verse 4. And they they answered, the Lord bless you. Boaz asked the overseer of his harvesters, who does that young woman belong to? So he notices her. The overseer replied, she is the Moabite who came back from Moab with Naomi. She said, please let me glean and gather among the sheaves behind the harvesters. She came into the field and has remained there from morning until now. Um, the first thing I want to point out in verse 2 is that she just has a willingness to work. She just, she just gets up and she's like, we need to eat and I can work, so, so I'm going to go out and do that. And I think um, this whole chapter is about serving and finding places to serve and learning how to serve other people around us. And it's just so cool that she's just like, okay, well, I can do it. And she gets out and serves. Um, 
But then she also, the, the other thing that I noticed is that she didn't necessarily ask Naomi's permission, but she went to Naomi and told her, like, hey, if it's okay with you, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out and work today we, um, to get us some, something to eat, some food. And um, I think that's so important for us as we're serving and as we're giving of ourselves that we look to people that have gone before us. Like, all of you people that, you know, you think your mom is, like, really old and doesn't know anything, she has a lot of wisdom. And so I think that if we turn to her and say, is that okay with you? I, w- I want to go, I want to have your blessing before I leave here. Um, and just just learning from these people that have gone before us is so awesome, is just learning from the, um, the wisdom that they have. And really all throughout Scripture, I don't have them on the screen today, but I can probably um, give you three or four that just talks about where God kind of, he lifts up the people that are humble and that are willing to serve, and, and then he opposes or looks down on those that um, are proud in what they do. And so I just think there's a lot to look at here with Ruth being so humble and just willing to serve. Um, I mentioned earlier our son Beckett, and I know a lot of you are going to laugh at this because um, it's kind of like I, have, I probably have rose-colored glasses at this moment. He's two years old, and every time he hears the dishwasher opening up, literally runs to the dish, like he wants to help empty the dishwasher. And I'm just like, oh, that's so sweet. Like he's such a little servant. And I know all of the parents of people that have kids that are older than two are saying, oh, you just wait until (laughs) you can't hardly get them out of bed, much less run to the dishwasher. So I know that that's not maybe a reality for the rest of my life. But I also know that Kyle and I are making it a huge point and priority to teach him service. I don't turn him away when he's asking to empty out the dishwasher. I'm scared because there's lots of breakable things in there. But I'm going to say, yeah, good job. You're doing a great job. Thank you so much for helping me. And yesterday he was... He took the little broom, and he's, like, going all through the living room, pretending like it's a vacuum. He's like, mmm, mmm, like going all over the house. It's not doing anything, but we're teaching him to serve. The Bible says that train up a child in the way that they should go. And when they're old, and it might be, for those of you who are still waiting, it might be really old, but they're going to come back to that. They're going to remember, hey, my mom and dad taught me this, how to serve. And, and so I think that even though next year I might come to you and say, yeah, that dishwasher thing, it's over. Um, it might be done today, just knowing how that kind of stuff goes. But um, for now, I'm just so proud that we're, we're teaching him service. And, and you know what? He sees service. He sees me serving Kyle. He sees Kyle serving me. He sees really us all serving each other. And so I think that um, this is the part where the guys kind of, don't get off the hook because um, we're all called to serve, not just the moms, you know, not just, um, oh, I spilled this, so I'll pick it up, but, oh, let me help you, you know, and um, so just that's um, me bragging on my child a little bit, but don't worry, I know it's not forever. Um, I have another scripture that I think, I think I gave, Philippians 2, 3 through 4, 
Um, And this just shows Ruth's heart, I think, throughout this whole serving time. It says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of others. You know, she said, I'm, I'm going to go where you go. I'm going to stay where you stay. I'm going to die where you die. Like, that's, that's someone looking to serve, not looking to be served. And a lot of times I think that's what we do is we, oh, Chandler, thanks, whatever you did for me. Now I'm going to serve you. You know, we, we kind of repay good for good. But God says, turn the other cheek and still serve them, you know, when they slap you in the face. And so I think that um, that's just so powerful is um, looking back, just find your identity in Christ and listen to what God says who you are instead of everyone else. And then just look for places to serve and learn how to be a servant. It, it really is a, a um, subject, I guess, that you can study because um, service doesn't usually come natural. Um, we are selfish people. The Bible says, you know, that we're, just, we're humans. And so you're not just going to, Beckett doesn't just come out serving. Um, hopefully he's seen me doing stuff, you know. Again, I don't know if that's... Um, rose-colored glasses or not, but um, I'm not going to stop teaching him to serve, basically, is what I'm saying. All right, Um, moving on in chapter 3, we're going to read verses 1 through 6. We're almost done. One day, Ruth's mother-in-law, Naomi, said to her, my daughter, I must find a home for you where you will be well provided for. Now Boaz, remember that's the boss, he's the kinsman redeemer, whose women you have worked, is a relative of ours. Tonight he will be winnowing barley on the threshing floor. Wash, put on perfume, and get dressed in your best clothes. Then go down to the threshing floor, but don't let him know that you're there until he has finished eating and drinking. When he lies down, note the place where he is lying, then go and uncover his feet and lie down. He will tell you what to do. I will do whatever you say, Ruth answered. So she went down to the threshing floor and did everything her mother-in-law told her to do. So basically, in a nutshell, they get up that morning, and Ruth is about to go out to the fields again to work. And Naomi says to her, "Um, you know, your boss, um, he's one of our family redeemers. Um, So tonight, when he's done what he's going to do, um, the winnowing barley on the threshing floor, um, lie at his feet, which this is so foreign to us. Like, who, it would be creepy if a girl, like, went to a guy's work, snuck up on them, they fell asleep, took a nap, or maybe they're on a break, and you just lay at their feet and uncover. The Bible says that she told her to uncover his feet and just lay there. So he wakes up in the night kind of scared, and he's like, who, who is this at my feet? And she's just like, oh, you're my kinsman redeemer. You're supposed to take me as your wife. And he's, you know, that would be freaking a guy out, I think. But in the Bible, that's the way that you did it. You kind of, you know, had this, I don't know, back and forth conversation about, hey, you're supposed to redeem me. Okay, I'll do that. And because they just knew that's who they were in the family. That was one of their jobs. And so I think the key thing right there is she says, I will do whatever you say. Um, A lot of times God gives us specific instructions of what to do, and then we're like, oh, okay. And then we kind of change it up a little bit. Like, 
you know, God called us to Jack, the south side of Jacksonville, and we moved here. And one day we found an apartment, and we just picked the south side of Jacksonville. Like, we didn't know where we were going. And then when this property came open, it was like the southernmost exit in Jacksonville. But we didn't know that till we got here. So if, if we would have been like, God, are you sure you said the south side of Jacksonville? Because we really like the beach. Like, you know, we moved there. You know, like, God doesn't do that. And so her heart just to say to her mother-in-law, I'll do whatever you say. Okay, I don't, doesn't really make sense to me, but I'm going to do it. Um, and so um, that's just, I don't know, that's cool to me. So basically I'm going to summarize the rest of this book really quick, and then um, we're going to close. Um, so she does that. She, she goes down when Boaz is working that night. She kind of <laughs> creeps and hides in the corner until he's done. Uh, he lays down and, I guess, falls asleep, and so she goes at his feet, and um, I think that's huge for us, too, like just laying at, at our Redeemer's feet, at Christ's feet, and just kind of like, here, I'm here. <laughs> I don't know what I'm supposed to do, but I'm here. And so she does that, and... Um, it's so cool. He's just like, he sits up and after he probably his heart stops beating really loud, he's like, okay, well, there's one more guy in the family that's kind of closer to this than me, and I don't want to jump over, I don't want to cut him in line to get you or to get this property, so tomorrow I'll ask him about it. If he doesn't want to do it, I'll do it. <laughs> so she's like, okay, and she just goes home. Like, this, it's so foreign to us, but that's the way that they trusted the family works back then. And so, um, but before she left, he filled up her scarf, if you will, with barley. And he said, I don't want you to go home empty. Give this to your mother-in-law. And so she goes home and the mother-in-law, you know, us moms are like, oh, I don't have a clue what just happened. She's like, oh, what did you do to last night? You know, um, even, she told her what to do, but it was kind of like she was asking, well, how did it go? And she said, he told me that he's going to, you know, talk to this other guy, and if he doesn't want to take it, then he's going to do it. She's like, okay, great. So she dumps out this, all this barley, and um, the next day, this is chapter four, and this is the end. The next day, Boaz goes to the town gate, and he kind of just waits for this guy to kind of show up, like walk past. And um, sure enough, here he comes, and he's like, hey, let me talk to you for a second. And um, the guy comes over, and he gets all these witnesses, and um, he says, you remember that guy Elimelech? Um, he, his widow is selling off all their land, um, and you're the kinsman redeemer to do it. Would you like to buy it? And the guy's like, yeah, I'll do that. He's like, well, I think you should know that you're going to also get Ruth as your wife with this deal. He's like, oh, I, don't, that's too, I can't do that. That's too much for me. You, you can do it. So he's like, okay. So by the end of the day, him and Ruth are married. And just this, again, craziness, but it's, it's beautiful, too, um, because God starts to show throughout the whole story his redemption plan of this whole thing. And so what he just, he takes her as his wife. They have a honeymoon. She gets pregnant. It's a boy. And now Naomi has this, another, it's her grandson, but it's just like in every way God redeems but you know what? Ruth knew who she was in Christ. 
She served. She didn't look to be served. And I think a lot of times we expect God to give us the things that he's promised to us, but we don't want to do the serving part of it. And so she kind of did all of these things. She, she paid attention to the wisdom of her mother-in-law. She, she listened to what people, you know, told her to do. She served them without any strings attached. And ultimately, she knew who she was in Christ. And that was to be right there with her mother-in-law until God told her otherwise. And... Um, so the last thing that God kind of shared with me is that your past does not determine your future. Because Ruth, her husband's dead. Like, in all accounts, she could be moping around and being like, okay, that's it. The rest of my life is over. Like, I have nothing to live for. I've lost my husband. All of my hopes and my dreams are gone. But you know what is so cool is that there's only four women named in the family tree before Jesus, and she's one of them. And the only one before her is Mary, the mother of Jesus. So God, right there, exalted the humble and lifted her up and provided her with a second chance. And I think that's so beautiful today because God, he, he redeems us from our insecurities and who people say that we are. He redeems us um, from our selfishness when we just don't want to serve. We don't want to get up and early in the morning and work. We don't, I mean, we just don't. Uh, he redeems us from that. He, he redeems us from our immaturity when we, we, ha we have mom over here telling us what, to, what we should do, and we're like, whatever. You know, he redeems us from that ignorance. And then also, he just, he redeems us from our past. And um, just such a beautiful mother-daughter story, I think, today of just learning that, that Christ, just like Boaz, is, is he's there. He's waiting to redeem you. Um, and Kyle is getting ready to play the last song before we go into communion, and I'm going to close in prayer. Oh, you brought me a tissue, too. I just now saw that. Um, I'm going to close in prayer, and um, if this is you this morning, we're, there's going to be some people in the back. I'm going to walk back there, too, and we're going we're gonna to be there available for you to pray um, after you take communion. Um, you know, if you don't have to have all four of these things wrong to have prayer. or You don't even have to have any of them. But if, if one of these things really spoke to you this morning and God's saying to you, you know what, you are beautiful, you are pleasant, and I call you Naomi, don't, don't receive Mara. Just don't. Okay, I'm going to pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we thank you so much for your love and your redemption on this beautiful Mother's Day. God, we don't deserve it. We mess up all the time. We call ourselves and other people the, the wrong and the bad names because of our insecurities. And God, I thank you for redeeming us from that. We don't have to live like that. I, I thank you for calling us to serve because that's like, that's so beautiful. Once you once you get it, that's so beautiful to find yourself in a place of service. It no longer looks like a job or like something you have to do, but just it, you wake up in the morning excited to serve. And thank you for redeeming us from that. God, thank you for redeeming us from our stupidity when we don't want to listen to anyone. We don't want to take wisdom from anyone, God, who knows better than us. And most of all, thank you for just redeeming us. We don't deserve it. You name our future. You, you have 
everything for us, God. You want to bless us. You want to you be the most awesome Heavenly Father and give us the things that we desire, God. And I pray that this morning that you will just show us, you will just show us, God, how we can receive that redemption and that we can walk in it and be confident in who you've called us to be, Lord. We love you so much and thank you for everyone that's in this room. In Jesus' name. Thank you.